You know, this is the first piece of clothing I've ever bought for myself. That? Yeah, you don't like it? Is that like a... An army surplus? or? Okay, it has a lot of pockets. <laughs> but I use them all the time, and I made some of my own modifications. Well, yeah. Never. <laughs> Shut up. The point is, I've never... I've never had control over my own life before, and now I do. I want to do things. I like your vest. God, I knew it. I knew you did. It's so cool, right? It's cool. Yes. And you can put so much stuff in there. You wouldn't even know. Load up on guns and bring your friends. It's fine to Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. What's this? We're going into the MCU for the first time? That's darn right. You're darn right we are. Um, This is an episode all about the summer hit Black Widow, and I have loved this movie for the past couple of months, have been talking about it with a good friend of mine for those couple of months, And we decided, you know what, let's talk about it on a podcast episode. So everybody, I am so pleased to be joined by our amazingly awesome friend who's been long overdue here in the Wampus Lair. It's Katie Horn. (gasps) It me! Surprise! (laughs) You thought you'd see the last of me. (laughs) Katie, I'm so excited. We've been talking and texting about this movie so much in the last few months. And it's been... So fun revisiting it so many times. Um, it, I, I was shocked that I did the premiere access, but I couldn't help myself. Although now I feel bad because it, <laughs> now it screwed Scarlet herself, which I feel kind of bad about, but I didn't know. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, we didn't know. We had no idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, this... Uh. I did go... I did buy a theater ticket, though. The first night I saw it was uh, in theaters. So I guess I'm better than you. <laughs> mm. I saw it in theaters once, to be fair. Okay, all right, so we're the same. Yes, and it came out on my birthday. So because, you know, as you know, Katie, my love of the Marvel Universe is relatively new. After seeing WandaVision, I just fell it. WandaVision was my, like, first kiss, I guess. And it's just, I haven't looked back (laughs) ever since. And um, Yeah, exactly. When this was announced for a July 9th release, I was like, that's my birthday. I I have to, I want to love this movie. I need to love this movie. And it was my first time going to a Marvel movie in theaters since falling in love with Marvel. And uh, I mean, obviously a different experience in the theaters these days with, you know, COVID Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, Right. But uh, I, I loved it right from the get go. Um, And uh, I know, I know you did as well. Yeah. Oh, I so did. I, I've had a different experience with Marvel because I've been there from the jump, which I don't say in like a braggy way. You can come into the fandom at any time. I don't care. It's great. Like, welcome, Carl. Welcome in. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's, 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 it's nice to be part of a fandom where I don't have, I don't know. It's, right. it's been, it's been so much fun. And that's, again, I obviously love my Star Wars fandom, but it can be so exhausting mm-hmm. in some ways. Um, True. And yeah. this is just something totally new. And I've seen some like annoying comments here and there, like, it's not like that in the comics. I'm like, I don't care. I don't read the comics. Oh, that's <laughs> like, very true. You yeah. Know? You'll see people like that who are like, well, it's really different in the comics. And I'm like, that's fine. This is a different medium and it's telling a different story. They, we can have different things. We can yeah. have both. Yeah. I don't really care what a comic in 1971 said. It's 2021. <laughs> <laughs> I care about what this says now. <laughs> 
Well, I remember, goodness gracious. So, yeah, I saw, you know, the first Iron Man in theaters, and I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. And then they start building out the MCU, and there's always that tease of, you know, the Avengers movie going to happen. And I was I was one of the naysayers. Not that I didn't want it to happen. I just didn't think this thing had legs. I mm. was just like, you know, because we, we get teases for sequels to stuff that never happened all the time. And I'm like, you're building up five, six movies that all have to succeed in order to get this big crossover movie. It'll never happen. The executives will back out. It won't be profitable. No, 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 no. I just, I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. <laughs> and now <laughs> here we are. Yeah. Yeah, tw- well, what now? Like twenty six movies in and f- four right? miniseries. Yeah, um, and, and since it's kind of neat because Phase Four officially launched with WandaVision, correct? Is it was that the first Phase Four piece? Right. I- it wasn't supposed to be, but you know the timeline being what it is, <laughs> yeah. it became the first thing. It wasn't supposed to be our introduction. I think our introduction was supposed to be Falcon and Winter Soldier. But it became WandaVision and just what a kickoff. My goodness. Yeah. I, if, I don't think I would have ever watched Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, you know, the thing that even got me into WandaVision was after the series had wrapped, someone right. put out uh, an article about how the ending for, for WandaVision reminded them a bit of the story of Ray and obviously I love Ray right. and, and I was like, Oh, that makes me really, really interested. I'm going to check this out. And you know, I, I remember seeing things on social media from folks saying like these first few episodes are weird, but someone who grew up <laughs> watching, like I love Lucy with my grandparents. Like I loved mm-hmm. the first couple episodes. So I was in from, from episode, I mean, episode one of that, that series is still probably my favorite. Um, cause I'm weird, but yeah. Uh, but anyway, we are we aren't here to talk about WandaVision, although we we could and should. But um, we could, yeah. <laughs> but uh, man, it, you know, Black Widow it is what a, I think just such a powerful send off for you know Natasha Romanoff's character as well as Scarlett mm-hmm. Johansson in this series, mm-hmm. and it's it's so unfortunate, obviously, with what's happening right now with how Disney is treating her and. Um, you know, it, it, people are so quick to just judge like, oh, I guess 20 million is not enough. And it's like, well, how would you like it if you signed a contract that promised you X amount of dollars and then you didn't get that? I'm pretty sure you'd it's complain true. too, right? Yeah. So it's not, yeah. A, it's not about the money. It's about the principle and how we treat people. So no, um, I absolutely agree. Yeah. With, with all of that. And it's, it's curious to me because then Shang-Chi didn't get a premier access, right? Right. And people are speculating that it's because of all the stuff with Scarlett Johansson and, you know, Disney not wanting to renegotiate those contracts. And so I'm kind of like, does this mean Scarlett Johansson saved movie theaters? Is that what's happening? (laughs) (laughs) She's a hero in so many ways. (laughs) Um, Well, Katie, there's there's so many big themes that, you know, we've we've been talking about uh, since the movie came out and. As I was kind of putting my thoughts together today, uh, the I'll say this as as I finished putting all my thoughts down, I was like, I feel like I'm I'm like a little late. We're just like kind of late on the conversation about Black Widow. I mean, I'm sure a lot of sure. folks, unless you did the premiere access, may have not seen this movie for the past two months. Um, oh, so, fair. Yeah, but uh, I I still think this is such a great opportunity to talk about um, about her character. Um, 
And Katie, the one thing you and I have talked a lot about, and and this is a theme that makes me so excited, um, is this concept of Natasha as kind of being the mother figure in the Avenger, in the Avengers. She's she's Mama Avenger, and. This idea actually came from – there's a podcast called The Ringerverse that my, my friend Greg recommended to me after Black Widow came out. And the the two hosts there were talking about how Natasha is like the mom in The Avengers and Steve Rogers is the dad. And, and that like – that image of them as the parents has been just – it's just such a fond feeling in my heart. Like it feels so right for right. them. And yeah. Um, and I think that even this this movie kind of reinforces that um, kind of that that like mama bear protector element of of Natasha's character is right there as a little girl at the beginning of the movie when, you know, they're trying to pull her in. Uh, Yelena apart, and she just mm-hmm. she just comes rushing to her aid. Daddy! Yelena! Daddy! Get away from her! <laughs> Don't touch her! Yabu the Sneed it! Don't touch her! I will kill you all! Yabu the Sneed it! You Honey. I mean, it's, it's really great yeah. child acting. <laughs> it's stirring. Yeah. yeah. Great, amazing child acting. I, I was really quite moved by that entire opening scene. It gave me chills. It, it, it came across as very real to me. Um, you know, being a, being an older sister myself, there were just absolutely these moments where kind of like Natasha, I was aware of things going on that my little sister just kind of didn't grasp. So when she would think that things are fine, like Elena in this movie, you know, young Elena, you know, me being the older sister, I was cognizant that things were in fact not fine. And so it just kind of had this amazing haunting dissonance and then when elena's you know her life and her innocence are threatened you know that that immediate response that natasha has to protect her came across as very real because you know she knows what's about to happen to elena and you know natasha wants to yeah just be that protector and make sure that what happened to her doesn't happen to anyone else hey you know it doesn't matter that elena isn't really her sister right that's something that's said a lot in this movie you know where she's like i think she literally says that to elena at one point she says you well you weren't really my sister and elena looks so hurt when she says that Mm -hmm. but you know when actions speak louder than words right and when it came down to it natasha was there to defend her Mm. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that that i mean so many marvel movies i feel like have very strong openings i I think this is in in my opinion, one of the strongest, uh, just, you know, to, to start in suburban America in the mid nineties, it's like, that was me growing up, <laughs> you know? Right. Same. Um, and, yeah. And- <laughs> Carl, we've become, you know, the, uh, We've become like the nostalgic past. <laughs> it's our turn. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> uh, I, and yeah, I, you know they have such a there's such a camaraderie between these two these two young girls right from the get go like you really believe that they are sisters and i was like oh these obviously must be their parents i just i just assumed this was all the family unit and then just the intensity of everything picking up right up until they 
are, are forced to fly away. And it's, it's just so, so good. And then you have, I mean, I think what, what I will say the quick, the, the first thing that really grabbed me in the movie was actually the opening credits with that version of smells like teen spirit. Um, yeah. which is pe- performed by Malaya J, who I've never, I've never heard of. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, I mean, it smells like teen spirit was the first song I learned to play on guitar when I was in 10th grade. <laughs> so, That's so, um, yes. <laughs> so, it, but I gotta say is, is, I mean, is, is, is iconic as that original song by Nirvana is I, I gotta say, I kind of prefer this, this kind of stripped down really like rough version of it. Um, oh, it gives you chills. It really does. Chills. And and the way it matches up with the visuals of the beginning there and specifically mm-hmm. when she and Yelena are ripped apart and she hands her the picture. It's just mm-hmm. I know it. it I mean, it, it reminded me of like it had some strong Jen Urso vibes from the beginning of Rogue One of just like your Ooh, your family yeah. being ripped away from you in front of your eyes and, and essentially being mm-hmm. helpless, you know, um, right, it, it's, right. it's so I mean, it's. It's so many of our hero stories, right, that always seem to have begin in tragedy. Mm-hmm. Well, it really struck me in that was the the image of the ballerina that keeps coming up. And, of course, they introduced that, what was that, in Age of Ultron, when we find out about the, uh, the Red mm-hmm. Room? Yep. And it's just, um, I mean, you know, other movies, I think, have, have touched on this as well. At this point, it's kind of a cliche to, you know, pair the, the image of a delicate ballerina with the, the harsh realities of what it takes to become a ballerina. Like your toenails fall off from being on point. You know, these, these young girls are forced to push themselves and push themselves to then become this beautiful, delicate, graceful thing on stage. Or at least that's the perception, right? But then when you look at the reality of it, it's kind of gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you know, the, the b- ballet industry is kind of gross. I don't want to tear down anybody who loves ballet or maybe is a ballerina. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, like, like a lot of industries, it has its problems. And so it's a really apt um, visual metaphor, at least for um, what's happening with Natasha and with, you know, you know all of the girls who become widows. Mm. That's a oh, Wow. Uh, did you not? Did you not know that about the toenails? Did I just blow no, your mind no, a little? No, no, you're you're blowing my mind more so with just that connection. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, there you go. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah. The uh, the only other, the one thing I wanted to mention too from that opening is is when Milena Milena is being taken away right before she's she's put into the truck by the soldiers. She says to mm. Natasha, "Don't ever let them take your heart." Um, oh, and that's what yeah. later on, I, I, I want to talk more about that, but that's, that's the central theme of the movie. That was my emotional buy-in, if that makes sense. Right. right? I think we right. all, we all connect with different things in movies. And sometimes when we go to a movie and we have no point of connection, it's probably why we don't particularly love the movie. Um, right. but that was, that was the big thing for me that, uh, gets, gets touched on again later in the, in the story. But, um, yeah. Oh, maybe I I do. I want to ask you. Maybe we talk about it now because I yeah, want to ask yeah. you. You know, dig into that a little bit. What is it about that that touches you so? Or do you think you can dial it in? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely yeah. can. So it all goes back, to, and I, I may have told this story on the show in the past. So forgive me, but mm-hmm. um, uh, a number of years ago, I I was briefly dating this this really wonderful person, and she. Um, just a year before I was coming out of a divorce and one night we were just, you know, drive, driving around the city or something. And she told me this really poignant story that I've never forgotten. And she said, 
I promise this is on point. <laughs> um, yeah, no, she said to I, me, I'm, she I'm goes, I'm riveted here. Yeah, yeah, it was it was one of the first like kind of really introspective conversations we were having, and, and she was opening up and sharing a bit about like her her marriage and what went wrong. And um, I'll never forget. She said, you know, he was always this really wonderful, kind, compassionate man. And she said, and then one day I feel like he just decided that's really hard. I'm done doing that. And she goes, and now he's mm-hmm. just mean. And, and oh. it just really stuck out to me of like, you know, some that, that can be such a reality of life is, you know, you just deal with really, really horrible stuff. And for some people, it's like, I don't know, something just like hits the switch and you just decide, you know what, I'm done being Mr. Nice Guy or Mr. Nice Person. And, um, you know, it, it really resonated for me because uh, a relationship of mine that was really wonderful came to an end this spring. And then mm-hmm. a- another huge life choice I thought I had made in the right direction didn't go the way I was expecting. So it was like two mm-hmm. big, like crushing blows in a row in like a m- month and a half's time. And yeah, I, and I don't mean to sound like egotistical here, but I feel like I'm still a pretty good person at the end of the day. Um, and, and that's why this theme really stood out to me is, is and, and in a much more, much more dramatic way than my life story ever could be. And thank God will never be, I hope, you know, is the story of Natasha Romanoff. But this is a person who lived a life through hell. And then later in the film, Milena says to her, tell me how you kept your heart. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just so beautiful. This there's it's just like when you have that good of a heart, you it, you just stay on course, you know, Um and even when like everything else kind of sucks, it's, it's right. just like this guiding light of like, all right, I know I still have a good heart and it's going to lead me in the right direction. Um, and I feel like that's really what we got really compounded into this movie in a nutshell is the story of Natasha. I mean, we get those flashbacks of her doing the terrible thing with Drakoff's daughter, but it was her way into shield, right? It was her way to escape that terrible life, but yet still had to be something terrible. But all of even all the terrible decisions she's made were always out of circumstance more than anything else. And it was the circumstance of I really want to be in a better place and I want to be a better person. So I'm going to do this now and now I'm going to do this. Um, But, yeah, that just that that theme of just holding on to your good heart is I don't know. It's just so beautiful to me. Yeah, I I do. I feel that a lot. I feel that resonates with me a lot. Um, There's that part, I think, in Age of Ultron where Natasha says that um, she had a dream that she was an Avenger uh, and that she has always been trying to be more than what the Red Room made her, you know, and and I think up into the end in Endgame, there's another part where she says, um, you know, even though all of her her new family, you know, even Mm -hmm. though people are gone, she's still trying to do better. She's still trying to be more i think so even like right up until the end i think she feels a little broken in a way um so for me i don't know for me personally i don't feel like a heart is something that you can necessarily lose you know and and um you know if if you ever think that like i don't know my heart my heart is gone I've lost it. It's too late for me. You know, going back to Star Wars, you know, Anakin being like, it's too late for me, son. Mm. (laughs) And no, it's not. You know, it it never is. I feel like maybe hearts are more like, like a garden and it can, you know, become overgrown with weeds and it can wither, but you can always go in and intend it and 
coax it back to life again. You know, you can't lose your heart. You just need to give it a little, you know, attention and care. And I think maybe for me, that's what I see in Natasha. I'm not saying you're wrong (laughs) in your interpretation, but that's how I've always seen Natasha is that she's always felt really broken. And when she's like, I'm trying to do better, she's been trying to tend that garden and make herself better than than what they made her. <laughs> you know, that that's literally the quote. And so I, I think that's really quite beautiful where, you know, these horrible people keep coming into her garden and tearing up the flowers and rooting up everything. And then she just feels so utterly decimated and destroyed. And yet she keeps going into that garden and tending it, hmm. you know, to, to plant something new and see something grow. What a beautiful image, yeah. Katie. Oh, I, oh thank I, you. I, I thank you. you. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Thank you. Um, well, I, I'm, if you don't mind, I want to play the clip really quick from the scene because it yeah. also introduces a huge theme that you, I know, have spoken to very, very mm-hmm. powerfully, which is that of choice. Um, so here's that scene right. between her and Milena. Why are you doing this? Why does a mouse born in a cage run on that little wheel? Do you know, I was cycled through the Red Room four times before you were even born. Those was all I know. I was never given a choice. You're not a mouse, Melina. You were just born in a cage, but that's not your fault. (laughs) Tell me, how did you keep your heart? Pain only makes us stronger. Didn't you tell us that? What you taught me kept me alive. Oh, I can't not oh, be gosh. full of tears in my right? eyes when I hear that scene. <laughs> yeah, I really, beautiful. I quite like the acting from both of the actors in that scene. Um, when uh, Melina, you know, hears that, you know, she's like, well, how, how did you do this? How did you keep your heart? And it's like, well, that strength that I have came from you. Mm. That Wow, that's a wallop. And you can see it on, on, I don't remember the actress's name. I'm sorry, but you can see it on her face. Rachel Wise. When she finds out. I'm sorry? No, I'm sorry. Her name is Rachel Wise. Right. Yes. When, when, uh, when um, Natasha tells her that that strength came from her, it's, mm. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> Carl, I'm crying. Yeah, it's in it, the way she when when, you know, Natasha says to her, you know, just because you were born in that cage, it doesn't that doesn't have to be all that you are. And right. yeah, the, the subtlety of that beautiful acting, how she almost like has like a choked up sigh, like, hmm. And then she asks mm-hmm. that poignant question, um, right? Like almost almost as though she's yearning to know, how can I be more like you? is is almost right, yeah. a, a way of looking at it. And I just want to point out to the music during that scene. Um, I really love the music. I think it, it doesn't get to shine enough in, in the movie. I don't feel, um, yeah. but the music that's playing during that scene is the same music that plays at the very beginning at the start of the chase as they're, as they're heading towards the airport. So there's this connection to, again, they're, they're living in this, this cycle, right? They're, they're part of that mm-hmm. cycle again and, and how apt that it's a conversation about a mouse on a wheel that really doesn't have a purpose, right? Other than to just mm-hmm. keep running. Um, and, and the music there is, it's, it's almost like this running theme. Like you're, you're being pursued. You're, you're constantly yeah. on the move. Um, but for Yolette or yeah, for Milena, 
there doesn't really have a deeper purpose. Um, but her, her essential daughter is there to, to, to kind of teach her otherwise. And, and it's because yeah. of her, like you said. Yeah, you're so right. I love it so much. <laughs> um, well, well, and you know what she brings up there, I think is a huge point of this, you know, of, of the story is that of choice, right? Freedom right. to choose and freedom not to choose. And right. Dracoff, what makes him in Dracoff to me is, is, is the grand Moff Tarkin of the MCU. Like I hate Tarkin Ooh. so much and I, <laughs> and I hate him because like, he's the type of villain where it's like, I could wring his neck just fine, but there's such an evilness to him. You could never get close enough to even do it. And and I feel like that's kind of what Dracoff is. I mean, he's the one who hides in the shadows, who tries to control people's wills. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I think one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, which is why I, I used the scene before we were recording, Katie, but is the intro, mm -hmm. the scene for the movie is that conversation Yelena and Natasha have in the car when they're talking about her vest. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and, you know, the pride she has that this was the first choice that she made. You know, mm -hmm. and, and there's a silliness to it, but Natasha quickly understands the importance of it. Um, right. uh, you know, so, I mean, you, you are a lot more coherent than I am about this, Katie, but, um, you know, can you speak a little bit more to the whole, that whole idea of choice and free will and, and how that's played out in this story a bit? Well, I mean... It's what we all want, right, is agency, the ability to choose for ourselves. And, you know, this film, I don't think it held back when it talked about the way that systems, patriarchal systems, you know, restrict everybody. You know, it obviously it hurts women. But if you look at it, it didn't pan out so great for the men that it crushed, you know, mm. the Patriarchal systems don't help anybody, <laughs> you know, like even Alexi, you know, everybody assumed like, what, you're Dracov's right-hand man, you're his buddy, and did things turn out so great for him? No, as soon as he mm -hmm. wasn't useful to the system, he was discarded by it, you know, his choices were taken away just as much as, as his daughter's, and it's not great, <laughs> don't like it, I, I don't like that sometimes to talk about this stuff, we have to make it as literal as, well, we've invented a toxin that takes away women's free will, mm -hmm. you know, because if we talked about it in a metaphorical text, nobody, not nobody, a lot of people, it would just go over their heads. Mm -hmm. So we have to make it quite a literal thing. And it's like, how do we break free? Well, here's this antidote. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. I think I'm not being as coherent as I'd like. No. But, um, you know, for uh, breaking out of those cycles is a lot harder than just taking an antidote. But for a movie, I understand why it had to be that easy. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and there's a there's that difference too, between the type of subjugation of Natasha's experience from Yelena's, right. right? And and the the further damage, the more, you know, almost uh, uh, 
sadistic's not the right word, insidious maybe, mm. the more insidious mm. nature of Yelena's uh, brainwashing is like it's a scientific one. It's it's a it's right. a physical one as well. And and it's all a result of Natasha leaving, right? And right, she makes that right. so clear to her during the, the scene when they're having their odd supper, <laughs> you know, at, yes. at, at Melena's farm. <laughs> and, you know, Yelena's really making it out like the reason I was in the state I was is because you got away. Because you got away, there were consequences for everyone else in the system. Yes, right? for all of us. Yeah. yeah, for everyone left behind. Uh, something that hit me as very real with that is when uh, Yelena is talking about you know, her conditioning and how it was different. She says, you're fully aware but you don't know which choices are yours and which are his. And then she says, I still don't know. That's very real to, you know, come from my own personal place. There are behaviors that I still exhibit where sometimes I I actually pause and go like, wait, where, where did that come from? Uh, you know what? I'll I'll get really real. There there were times in my childhood where I was denied water, and so there will still be times as an adult where I'll be really thirsty, but I'll think to myself, I can't have water right now. I can't drink, and so I'll just push myself and push myself, and and it's not until much later where I'll actually stop and be like, Why am I doing that? Why don't I just go get a drink of water? And you know, it's, it should be that easy, but it's not, you know, because of that conditioning and because of sometimes you don't know which choices are yours and which are the product of your upbringing or Mm. your, you know, quote unquote conditioning. And I, I wish there was an antidote I could just take, (laughs) Right. but that was, that was very real where she just said, sometimes I still don't know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that. And, and wow, thank you for sharing what you shared. I'm oh, so yeah. sorry. That's awful. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I, it it's all right. I, yeah, well, I, I know. I know you that. wouldn't you're, share. You're very for, sweet. No, I mean, I, yeah. know, I know you're not looking for I, counsel around it, but I, I just wow, mm-hmm. that's just terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it that these things that we see in movies, you know, will absolutely resonate when they come when. This movie did not hold back when it talked about stuff like that. And I and I think they were purposeful when they talked about, you know, just kind of this control that these systems and sometimes just awful people will exhibit over others. And it's cruel and it's callous, but then it, it has a real human cost, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think one of the most disturbing parts of the movie is towards the end when Drakeoff is trying to strut his stuff, you know, his pathetic little ego by showing Mm -hmm. all the faces of these widows, you know, throughout the world that he controls. And, you know, this, you know, the, the, you get Natasha's like terrified faces. These, you know, these nameless women are flashing across the scene and Mm Drakeoff is talking over it saying, you know, it's, I think he calls them uh, in, a renewable resource. I know he uses the word resource. Oh, I'm trying to remember he, the exact language, but I know he. I wrote it to, down. I wrote it down. He says they are the natural resource that the world has too much of. Mm. Girls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and that strikes me as very real as well because you know to this day 
there are a lot of people who see women as a resource, as something to use and discard. You know, we have systems of government in place that still deny women control over their own bodies mm-hmm. because we're a resource. We're not human. We are, we have a utility, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and if we don't have a utility, then, then, you know, they, they think that if we don't have a utility, then, then we don't have a, a reason to exist. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, when Drakov's uh, daughter, you know, is, is horribly injured, he's like, oh, thank you. Because you hurt her, I was able to turn her into this amazing weapon. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that's your daughter. You should, when she's hurt, you should, you know, comfort her not to get something out of her. You know, you shouldn't, <laughs> she was not a resource. She was your daughter, your child is a gift, yeah. not something for you to use and mold and manipulate. And, you know, he, he had that other line where he was like, oh, all these girls had no purpose. They had no point. So I recycled the trash and yeah. gave them a purpose. It's like, no, they, they're, they're not here <laughs> to serve a purpose for you. They don't need a utility to be alive. I'm sorry. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you don't need a utility to be alive. Mm-hmm. You can, oh gosh, I'm going to make this funny, but what was that tweet? <laughs> You're not alive just to pay bills and lose weight. You're here to eat hot chip, be bisexual and lie. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that, you know, we're, we're here for more than just whatever utility we can bring into the world. We, we have more to do and to be than that. We have more to experience than that. And, and yeah, <laughs> the end. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Well, and right for a person like Drakoff, all of these, these women, all of the resources available to him are only ever used in so far as they can give him more control and more power. Right. You know, that's, that's what he gets off on. That's his drug, Mm -hmm. you know, is, um, is that power over people. And I, and I think when, when he has, um, oh my gosh, I'm going to blank on his daughter's actual name. I know it's Taskmaster in, in the. Oh as, as the no, character. it was Antonia. Antonia, that's right. Oh, and well, <laughs> that's okay. As, as you know, what I'm the I'm the opposite. I can never remember Taskmaster. I can remember okay. Antonia, but then I can't remember <laughs> Taskmaster. <laughs> well, it, I as you were as you were speaking to all of this, you know, the, the what a father ought to be. Um, mm-hmm. I I was I was thinking in my head, I'm like. Well, gee, why would Drakoff even care? Like, why would he even keep his daughter around? And my immediate answer in my own head quickly was the only reason he probably even kept her around was because it was a way of controlling the mother. Um, oh, yeah. Whoever she was, yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure it was a form of control of her. And yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think when when Antonia takes off the Taskmaster, Taskmaster helmet and Natasha sees her face and sees again another another victim of her defection if you will right so right. now she's met her own her own sister i mean again in a sense sister um mm-hmm. you know who who was you know in a chemically controlled because natasha got away and now here's the the daughter she felt terrible for having to kill to get out of um to get out of the the kbg and to get in good with right. shield for good 
Um, and again, mm-hmm. a nice reminder that shield is never fully good. Um, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, but then to even see not only did I not succeed there, but I've put this poor woman through hell. Right. right. She, she has become literally a machine. Nothing more. Right. Um, I mean, again, in the eyes and in the 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 purpose of, of Dracoff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. It's yeah. Really well, disturbing. to speak on that, you know, that that's part of the patriarchy as well is how it pits women against each other. You know, if if we're here just to fight over resources, which that shouldn't be the point. Well, God, mm. we could talk about Thanos for another two hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But the yeah, the patriarchy will constantly pit women against each other. And then, you know, uh, there can only be one. Right. There can mm. only be one survivor. And and then women will just constantly throw each other under the bus to appeal to the man in power when it's like, no, we should be lifting each other up, you know? And I I like that you say that this whole thing was just a reminder that shield is never wholly good because of course we want to believe that, well, yeah, our, our, the good guys work for the good guys, but also do we? Mm -hmm. And also I'm not sure about the timeline, but wasn't shield secretly Hydra at that point? Yeah. Well, and, and Melena, says as much again at that supper scene that their mission Mm -hmm. in Ohio was to steal these, you know, essentially steal the, the, the blueprint for how to control minds. And they're like, well, it was run by shield. Well, technically Hydra. Right. So, yeah. um, Yep. Yeah. But then it's like, you know, uh, shield, if they had truly been good, uh, should not have treated Natasha as a resource because, Mm. you know, I feel like she's just trading one box for another. She's just trading one patriarchal system for another and I would be very hesitant to join a group that's like, okay, well, to join us, you have to kill your old boss, which I'm like, she was probably like, great. He was terrible to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, but also we're 1000% okay with her, his daughter being in the building because that way we're sure that he's also in the building. Mm. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> that should have been unacceptable. But, you know, she, I do understand she needed out that badly. And, you know, to bring up another Marvel movie, that's something we see really well with Gamora and Nebula, how Thanos pit the daughters against each other. And, and Gamora never really thought about how she was hurting her little sister. She, you know, just needed to survive. Mm. And uh, that's a really unfortunate but true aspect of living in a house with an abusive parent is that sometimes you're just trying to survive. And sometimes it means throwing another sibling under a bus when really you should be looking out for each other, but Mm -hmm. it can be really hard to see that when you're in that situation, when you're down in the trenches like that, you know? And so for Natasha, her being like, well, if I have to kill this one little girl, in order for me to be free and live my best life, then I guess that's okay. And then that's kind of where I see, I feel like Natasha felt like she did lose her heart, you know? Mm. And she's like, well, this is just what I am now. Oh, and then she had another line with, uh, with Elena where she said, well, I'm just trying to do some good. She's like, I'll, I'll kill this one little girl and then I'll be in, I'll be with the good guys. And then I can just do good and dedicate my life to good. But does that make what she did? Okay. And I think the answer is no. And, and I think she knows that. 
And so when she, you know, looks into her heart and she says, that was a bad thing that I did. So I need to go and, and tend this garden. You know, she's just constantly trying to, to right this wrong inside of her. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, I, while you're, you're talking about that, mm-hmm. I hope you don't mind, but I went and I think yeah. this is the right part. I think this is the clip where they have that little comment. Yeah. All that time that I spent posing, I was trying to actually do something good to make up for all the pain and suffering that we caused trying to be more than just a trained killer well then you were fooling yourself because pain and suffering is every day and we are both still a trained killer except i'm not the one that's on the cover of a magazine i'm not the killer that little girls call their hero oh what a what a scene florence Pugh. right yeah. Oh. oh, she's so good in this movie. So good. Sorry. Sidebar <laughs> to talk about how amazing Florence Pugh is. Just oh, fantastic. Every everything she does is amazing. You know, talking about that dinner scene where she just you know, she doesn't even have any lines until the very end. She just sits there and does amazing things with her face. Yeah. Sorry. Love yeah. her. Well, and even when Natasha's like yelling at them all to be quiet and she goes, I didn't say anything. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody be quiet. I don't say anything. Yeah. Where are you going to be? And that's like, that's the younger sibling, right? Like when they're getting scolded, yeah, I'm like, right? wait a minute. I didn't, I'm not even involved. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. No, but yeah, that's such a, what a, yeah, what a great point of, uh, you know, for Natasha, I, I love, again, just to return to the, the beautiful image you've given us of that garden and Natasha is just, mm-hmm. she keeps going back in and it just seems like she's, Every time she pulls up a weed, it's like, you know, right when you weed a garden, you have to get them by the roots. She's not getting the roots, right? She just keeps pulling mm-hmm. what's above the surface. Um, right. And yeah, that's, oh, that's so, that's so poignant. Um, and actually, you know, it actually makes me think. So I was thinking more about why did they choose Smells Like Teen Spirit to be the opening song, right? I mean, it, people make conscious choices. It's a bop. It is Sorry. a bop. No, 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 no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But the, yes. the whole ending of that song is it's um, the last line is a denial. And then they just keep repeating a denial. And that's something mm-hmm. Yelena says to Natasha when they're when they're hiding in the gutter from the taskmaster. And she indicates right. that this is where she and Clint were. You know, she says, um, uh, wow, well, I'm just told, oh, I just had a mind fart. Darn it. That's okay. What was, what was I saying? <laughs> Um, oh, oh, uh, she, you know, oh, darn it. Nope. Farting. My mind is still farting. I'm so sorry. What was I, what was I getting at there? Um, uh, oh, oh, she, uh, Yelena says to Natasha, it's easy to ignore the truth when you omit key details. Right. So like Yelena seems pretty adamant that like Natasha, you knew that he was still around. You just knew it somehow. Right. Yeah. But, but Natasha's built up these denials, this wall of denial, like, oh, well, if he's still mm-hmm. around, why didn't he come after me? Uh, hello, you're an Avenger now. He can't. Yeah. <laughs> you're, yes, kind of, exactly. you're kind of off limits or else the God from space, the God, from yes. space, you know, the one who doesn't need an ibuprofen after a fight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's one of the big ones. Yeah. Like, Wait, who are the, the big, big ones? ones? I love I <laughs> yeah. love that line. Who are the big ones? Yeah. Like, and she almost seems hey. a little put off by it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All that. All that struggle in my brain for very little content. I apologize. No, it's okay. I loved it. I loved it. I was like, where is he going? What are we- <laughs> Nowhere big. Um, uh, can we talk about Alexi? Yes. Let's talk about him. Cause I have such 
complicated feelings. It's hard. I want to love him, but there's other parts of him that are just disgusting, which I, I know is the point. That's just a sign of really good writing is where it's like, oh, I like him, but I also don't like him. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where I, I where I struggle with Alexi is how he... I don't know. He seems very wishy-washy to me in, 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 when it comes to fatherhood, where he is so happy to be like, oh, these are my girls when they're doing well or when they do something that he views as an accomplishment. You know, he's like, Yelena, oh, you're so ruthless. You're the best assassin. Oh, that's my girl. And Natasha, you're an Avenger now. Wow, that's my girl. But then when it comes to all of the boring stuff that a dad has to do, he's like, oh, well, this sucks and I hate it. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, he, it seems like he only wants to be their dad when it's convenient. Mm-hmm. And now, and now to be fair, he does try to apologize at the end. He, he never actually gets there because of some hilarious misunderstandings, but he does try. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. But at the same time, I just, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I never really get there in, in the, you know, I'm, I'm never fully team Alexi, mm. you know? Yeah. I well, you know I know I've we've talked about this a little bit you know on our own mm-hmm. and I think my biggest hold up with Alexi is I just Dave Dave Harbour's accent to me is just so fake sounding like it's just <laughs> I just feel like like I really love Dave Harbour and Stranger Things and it's so interesting because right. that's kind of his character is kind of this reluctant father in Stranger Things right yeah. you know he's mm-hmm. he's kind of this bum who wants nothing to do with real life and then he's drawn in by this this innocent young woman who needs protection mm-hmm. to some degree um yeah. so it's it's kind of an interesting you know casting decision to bring him in because that's that's you know all of us in pop culture that's our recent memory of him inhabiting a role exactly um exactly. and then yeah. for him to be kind of like you said this wishy-washy somewhat intolerable father and the mm-hmm. very beginning of the movie when he's using his american accent with the family like i really buy it i really buy oh him yeah in those moments <laughs> but as soon as that russian accent comes out i'm like it just sounds like he's trying to be funny because like, it's it, just it's yeah, just so yeah. noticeably an accent, um, you know, like a, a, a made up accent. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know where I fall with him. He's he, to me, he's just a character who's just there. Like, he's fine. That I do wish the the, the 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 healing of that wound between him and Natasha was a little mm-hmm. better written um, because I agree. Yeah. Like he tries and even at the end, right, when he's, she's like, you got something to say. He's like, I would just screw it up. Right. He's finally come to understand that. Shut your mouth for once. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And but I I mean, maybe that is the lesson he needed to learn. But but like you, I feel like they never quite shut that wound. You know, they never quite patched it up. And I guess maybe I just wanted a little more. Mm -hmm. But uh, I also agree with what you were saying earlier, where it's just like at at the very beginning is where I find him the most endearing. Uh, You know, with with Elena being like, I'm hungry. And he goes, it's okay. I have fruit roll ups in the car. Like, (laughs) it's okay. Like that's adorable. That's a you know that's great. Yeah. Well, and when <laughs> when he sings her song to her later in the movie after, you know, she she mm-hmm. stomps off. That apparently was a Dave Harbour decision. That was something Aww. he came up with on set. Um which that I just is, I think is really yeah. really wonderful. Yeah. That wasn't in the mm-hmm. script. So, um so I think again, like there, there's clearly some brilliance to this guy. No no doubt about it. Um, yeah, I do real quick going back to that beginning, though, um, you, you right from the get go, they set up where 
he and Milena are at, right? When he pulls her out of the kitchen, he pulls her right. away from the family to say it's time. And she says, I don't want to go. Right. And he says, yeah. don't say that, right? Like this life has become like, it's nothing but a distraction for him. Like he says several times, but Milena mm-hmm. wants to stay there. Um, yeah. which I just think is such a, uh, it's, that's one of those blink and you miss it type moments. Right. So again, if, if any okay. of you are, you know, you're listening, you're like, man, I haven't seen this in a few months. I can't wait to see it again. Like these are those little <laughs> moments that you may have missed if you only saw it the one time. Um, right. so anyway, yeah. So it, that was, I totally derailed the, the Alexi conversation, but it's mainly <laughs> cause I don't have a ton to say. Like I'm, I'm really with you. I, it's, it's, he's, he's fine. Like I, I but yeah, there, it, it felt me, left me wanting for more. Whereas I feel like the relationship with Milena is much, much better. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. They, I think they closed that one up too, because she ties in much more directly, I think to, you know, Natasha's arc, because she kind of is, I think what Natasha, you know, m- would have become mm-hmm. if she had kind of given up. You know what I mean? Because I think you look at Milena and and you do see someone who has given up or she's just all like, I live in this cage. This is all I am and all I'll ever be. And, you know, that's not good enough for Natasha. And so when Milena looks at Natasha and is like, wow, how did you do that? How did you keep your heart? And then Natasha says, I got that from you. That's what wakes Milena up and, and is able to, you know, break her out of her cage you know that that tie that all just ties together really nicely and you're and you or me as the viewer can go yeah that was a good arc story done but i have much more i come away from this movie with much more complicated and messy feelings when it comes to everything with alexi mm-hmm. yeah oh. well and and you know there the parting words between melena and 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 natasha at the end there when she says don't worry i've got this and she says i know Right. Like yeah. there's, there's that confidence yeah. in, in who Natasha is, whereas Alexi is still kind of the, the, the dingusy father. Where it's like, no, we'll stay. We'll fight with you. And she's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> just, just go, bro. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we good. <laughs> we, we're all right. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, uh, darn it. There was something else I wanted to bring up in, in light of what we were just saying. And it slipped mm. right out of my mind again. Man, I'm having all sorts of brain farts. Um, oh, that's me. That's my whole 2021 mood. My brain is cheese. <laughs> yeah. We're just we're all just trying to get through it. <laughs> um, I, I, I remembered um, something I think. And, and again, this is so this is my I like I kind of said towards the start of when we, we were recording, you know, my my MCU love is a very new thing. It's not even a year old. I mean, this is a very young love. Um, and I hope it's I hope it's the kind of love that'll last forever. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. because of my, you know, binging WandaVision back and when did that show wrap? I want to say probably like March, late February, early March, give or take. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So f- between now and then I've watched all of the MCU movies at least twice. Um, nice. I've, I've watched Endgame five times. I've watched, oh, nice. Like, yeah. I, so I. I, I say that only to say all those stories are so crammed and fresh in my head that it's it's sometimes easy to make these connections, not to say that I'm making anything original, but because I know oh, this sure. has been thrown around. But something I think Black Widow also does a lot of in, in regards to the MCU is it has a lot of vibes to Winter Soldier. Um, mm. Both Steve and Natasha are contending with parts of their past they thought they had overcome or had defeated and buried. Right. So for Cap, that's 
you know, Hydra's gone. I, I defeated them. I gave, I foreseeably gave my life and, and to, to ensure that Hydra was defeated. And then he comes back all these years later and finds out, nope, not only are they still here, they're running the thing you were loyal to. Um, right. You know, and oh. for, for Natasha to come back and be like, no, 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 the Red Room's gone. Drakov's dead. I killed him. No, you mm-hmm. didn't. Right. So there's like that yeah. similar vibe of, uh, you know, having to really contend with these things that we thought we laid to rest. Yeah. Oh, can yeah, let's talk about Natasha and Steve, the mm. mom and dad of the Avengers yes. because I I hadn't thought of it that way until you said it. And I think okay. And again, so I that's part I, of the I want, reason I just, I just want mm-hmm. to say again, that wasn't my point. I I I looked up oh, the, yeah. the 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 folks from Ringerverse. I believe her name is Oh my gosh, I'm going to blank on her name, so I don't want to just be wrong. But it was one of the one of the women over at Ringerverse who who had that. So I just want to own that that is not my original thought. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, that's perfect. But I hadn't thought of it until you pointed it out to yeah. me. You know, regardless of who had the thought, you were the one who introduced it to me. So I think part of the reason I hadn't really thought about it is because um, for a long time Natasha was our only Lady Avenger. You know, and so it's like. If I was an Avenger, me, Katie, if I was an Avenger, this is that's how I would fit into the group. I would be Natasha. You know, I don't didn't really have the luxury of being like, oh, am I the intellectual of this group or am am I the himbo Thor of this group? Am I the dumb jock? Like, no, it's like you're Natasha. And so when I think about myself in that group, I don't necessarily think of myself as everybody's mom, Mm. you know, so so I didn't. But now that we have more options and I can look at Natasha as more of like, you know, her own person and not my own self insert, if that makes sense, I, I can see, oh, she is so the mom of this group. Yeah. Like she's, she's in charge of everybody. And Steve is, is such the dad and they have that, they have that dynamic together. They have that energy. Um, I, Particularly, I really like how in Civil War, when Natasha comes to Steve after Peggy's funeral, just because she thought he shouldn't be alone. Like, they're having a fight at that Mm -hmm. moment. They don't agree. They don't see eye to eye. But she's still like, I'm still going to show up here and support you because that's what a good mom does. Okay. Yes. Yes. And I actually (laughs) just stumbled across... Um, I watched a deleted scene from that movie literally just last night. It was just YouTube scrolling. I haven't, I still haven't seen a lot of the deleted scenes from the MCU stuff. Um, but there's an mm-hmm. extended part to that scene where Natasha actually shares a little bit with Steve about her parents. And, and she's obviously referring to her, like the parents that gave birth to her, not uh, clearly not to Alexi and, and Milena, but she said how, when, right. you know, it, it between, it sounds like she, between the time of civil war and, I don't know, probably the first Avengers, it sounded like she went back to Russia to try to find them. And all she could find was like a gravestone. Right. So, and, and so again, like just, she goes to, so he's not alone and not only is he not alone, but she's going to even find this point of connection to share, um, to make him feel less alone. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Um, and the thing I I know I messaged you about this one of the times when I was watching infinity war not too long ago. And, you know, when they come to the rescue, uh, you know, uh, Natasha and, and Cap and, and Falcon and um, well, yeah, and Falcon. <laughs> um, it's the three of them. They come to help rescue Wanda and Vision. And when they're boarding the jet and she just she like 
scolds Wanda. She says, I thought we had a, a deal. You, you know, you laid low, you checked in, right? Again, it's, it's right? the mom saying, where were you? You didn't call. <laughs> you yeah, know? you didn't call. You didn't text. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's big mom energy where it's all like the teenage daughter stayed out too late with her boyfriend. <laughs> she didn't call. She didn't text. We had a deal. <laughs> you said you were going to act like an adult. <laughs> yeah oh they but they and and i mean their their relationship is really born in in winter soldier and it's one you know you know who do you who do you want me to be a friend oh you might be in the wrong business right but that's ultimately what she becomes by the end of that story um Mm -hmm. and they really i don't know they just they really do seem to support each other i mean i love that scene in endgame when she, you know, threatens to throw a peanut butter sandwich at him. It's such a beautiful <laughs> moment in that movie. And um yeah, it, it's uh they're they're so That's, so good yeah. together. Do you do you mind if I play this really quick? Oh sure, go for it. Yeah. Just just so it's fresh in all of our heads. Heck yeah. Maybe it doesn't need to be done. I used to have nothing. And then I got this. This job. This family. And I was... I was better because of it. And even though... They're gone... still trying to be better i know you referenced that already but oh it's all right i um, love it yeah Uh, it you know it's it's she's still trying to hold on to the strings you know i mean that's Mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's it's really good and and you know, I know you and I have talked about this uh, quite a few times, um, and obviously now we're we're broadening into Natasha more so than just specifically Black Widow. Well, um, sure, yeah. But you know, I, I know a lot of folks were really bothered by you know the way she she is she goes out in Endgame, and yeah, totally understandable. Um, but again, like just from my limited perspective, as I was watching through those movies and especially when I rewatched Endgame after, so after, after I saw Black Widow, um, I saw it in theaters and then I like two days later, I was like, screw it. I'm spending the 30 out. I, I want to be able to watch this whenever. <laughs> and I was watching it. Uh, I watched it like two more times, like the next few days. And then I was like, you know what? I want to do a Scarlet Witch rewatch. So I rewatched all the movies that she was in, except for Iron Man oh. too, because she is clearly just there to be an object um Mm -hmm. in iron man too but um Mm -hmm. you know watching her evolve and when we get to that point in endgame where she she and clint are having that conversation about who's going to do this it it really worked for me it really worked that this is and again i was this was me watching it with the lens of having now seen black widow but also with that lens from from those folks at ringerverse which is she's mom avenger and the reason she makes that choice, that ultimate sacrifice, is because she's doing this for her family. And, you know, she obviously doesn't use that language. She doesn't she doesn't say those words. Um, yeah. But that's that's really um, what it's about. Would you be comfortable with me playing that scene really quick? Where sure. she's with Clint? Um, yeah. Okay. 
let me make sure I may have gone back a little too far, so bear with me here a second, but I think this is right. Yeah. Over dicks. If we don't get that stone, billions of people stay dead. I guess we both know who it's got to be. I guess we do. I'm starting to think we mean different people here at Fasha. The last five years I've been trying to do one thing, get to right here. That's all it's been about, bringing everybody back. No, don't you get all decent on me now. What, you think I want to do it? I'm trying to save your life, you idiot. Yeah, well, I don't want you to. How's that? Natasha, you know what I've done. You know what I've become. Well, I don't judge people on their worst mistakes. Maybe you should. You didn't. I, I, I just find that so powerful. Um, you know, her, her choice is to, to bring her, her lost family back. You know, I don't, I I think in some ways she's not as concerned about (laughs) the Mm. the nameless folks of, of the universe. I think it is very specific for her. You know, this is the one thing I've, I've been marching towards is, is to, to reunite this family. And, And I, again, I think about that in the lens of how Black Widow ends, the movie ends with, you know, she's got Yelena's vest on. She's a new person now. It, it's like that vest now in Infinity War means so much more to me. It's 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 almost a vest of healing, if you will. She's healed this part Aww. of her life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and when she leaves at the end of the movie, and again, there's that great deleted scene that I wish was in there at the end where she bumps into those children and it's beautiful. Um, but I, I love it. Our, our last shot is her boarding that jet and the Avengers theme playing. I, I mean, I love the Avengers theme just musically mm-hmm. speaking, but is it as it plays? And that's how kind of the movie is. Is it, It's this bold statement at the end of she's got this conviction now to go back and fix her family. This is what it's what it's all about for her is, is to bring about this yeah. family that has made her better. Um, has and, and it's in the Avengers, if you really think about it is a family that exists outside those systems, right? And and that's really right. what Civil War is all about. Um, and she steps outside the bounds of the system because the system is killing her family. Um, right, yeah. So she stays yeah. faithful to the family, not to the system. Yeah, oh, gosh, I love her arc in Civil War where, yeah, she starts that movie, and I think she says something that I wrote down, which was, like, staying together is more important than how mm. we stay together. She's, like, she's willing to sign the accords and stuff because she's, like, I just want to keep this family together. You know, very mom. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just like, you know, yeah, I'll sign whatever I need to sign. I'll do whatever I need to do to keep this family together. And then at the end of it, you know, by the end of it, it's, like, oh, no, I I'm actually hurting this family by bringing Steve in is actually going to hurt this family and it's not going to keep us together. And so she chooses to stand by the family over the system. Like you said, she, she chooses the family over the system and that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. Um, cheapers. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I, I feel like I, I hit on all the big things that, I, that I've been bouncing around my head. Um, 
were there other were there other aspects of things from from this you wanted to bring up or, or things you wanted to continue to expound on? Um, hmm. uh, I did have a few just random yeah, things. Please. We want to throw in some random thoughts here at of the end. Of course. Uh, as much as I uh, enjoy uh, Antonia or Taskmaster, um, can we just let the the freaking Samus reveal trope die? <laughs> can it just die, please? Oh, yes. Like, yeah. The, okay, so Samus from Metroid was revealed to be a hot lady all along. You know what I mean? It's all like, here, here's what appears to be a dude in armor kicking all the butt. And then it's like, oh, wait, you know, at the end of the game, big reveal. It was a hot lady. That was 35 years ago. Mm, the game came out in 1986. <laughs> you know, it's not that's not shocking anymore. And then, you know, um, Emphis Nest did the I, same yeah. thing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Where it's like, uh oh, it was a hot lady all along. <laughs> and well, what was funny about that one in particular was like how nobody in my theater gasped when that happened. And people were just like, is, is that his daughter? Yeah. Like, right. that- no, same thing. Every time I saw that movie, no one reacted to that. And yeah. it's, because there's no, there's no reason to, there's no, there's no payoff in that moment. It's, yeah, it's just it's 2021. Nobody is shocked when somebody takes off their helmet and they're a hot lady. It's just not it's not a big reveal. Everybody calm down. So yeah, let's just let that trope die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a great point. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh well and and so I believe Antonia's only line in the movie is is he gone? That's it. I'm pretty sure that's right. all yeah, she says. Right? She doesn't say anything when she's in the guise of Taskmaster. And then at the end when the helmet comes off, I mean, she she like takes a deep breath and, right. and breathes in some level of freedom from that chemical remedy. Um, but yeah, then as she's laying there and her and Natasha, you know, touch foreheads, she just says, is he gone? She says, yes. You know, yeah. like that's that's the real freedom there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, really quick. So can, can I throw this out sure. randomly then just thinking yeah. of that moment? I, in so after, after, you know, I really was falling in love with this movie and, and we were talking a lot about how much we liked it. You know, you recommended like, Oh, have you seen little women with Florence Pugh? Which of course yeah. I have not. And you know, you and I watched that a, a few weeks back and I just loved that movie. Um, and, and especially loved it. Thanks to you because you really helped explain some of the things I missed. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the thing that really, really, really touched me so much with Little Women was just the affection of these sisters, the affection and mm. love and care for one another. There's an element of that in this movie, you know, specifically at the end when, you know, Natasha embraces Yolana and, and you know, helps, you know, we're upside down again. And then they embrace and she says, it was real for me, too, and says, I'm Aww, sorry, yeah. little sister, you know. I should have mm-hmm. come back for you. Um, you know, there's just there's just this beauty and this tenderness between the two of them. Um, and yeah, I don't have anything big to say except I just love that it's there. I love that, you know, these are two women who have been kicking ass all movie. Um, but then in this beautiful m- moment of just total emotional vulnerability is they're just holding each other. Um, right. And and yeah, I, I just I love I love that uh, towards the end. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I I also like that um that there there's no there's no more animosity mm. where or I, again I think um uh Gamora and Nebula are a little, you know, more different where 
um, there is still that animosity there. And it's something that those two sisters have been working for through where, you know, they, you know, maybe do blame each other a little bit and, you know, they, they've struggled to realize that they don't actually hate each other. You know, what they hated was their upbringing and they hated being forced to fight each other. Um, but that, that was their journey. Um, I, I think, it's nice that this movie showed something a little different where the sisters, you know, worked through things and yeah, they have no more lingering resentment. Like again, like Antonia is just like, is he gone? You know, she doesn't even like blame Natasha. She would have every right to blame Natasha, but she just, I don't know. These, these sisters, this group of sisters, the widows have a clarity where they're like, no, we see where the real blame for this lies and we're not going to blame each other and hold resentment towards each other for this life that we were forced into, mm. which I guess, you know, I, I have my complaints with, you know, oh, now you take this dust and all the abuse you suffered, you know, you're just over it now. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Right, right. Um, but I do think it's significant that, you know, this is a freedom that the women hand each other. It doesn't come from somewhere else. It was, uh, uh, right, uh, Melina uh, invented it. Well, or yep. what's the word I'm looking for? She didn't invent it. She discovered it, right. designed it. Yep. Yeah, she synthesized <laughs> and, it. Yeah, synthesized. Yeah. That's the perfect word. Yeah, this, this relief from the brainwashing was something that the women gave each other. Um, and, and again, I understand why, you know, it's a movie. So the movie had to make it easy. Um, and, and I do think that's nice. Yeah. Well, you know, it bringing that up, I, I, I cause that's a great point of right. You know, it, in a movie you're, you're restricted by time. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and yes, you know, and, and they're, specifically I would say more so than Natasha, even as Yolana here, um, right. walking out of this while she's, she's got a whole new sense of freedom. There's still a lot of stuff she's going to work, have to work through. And, and I think that was right. one thing I really, and the one thing I really enjoyed in Falcon and winter soldier was that moment when we kind of get that flashback of Bucky in Wakanda and them essentially helping break him from that psychological control that Hydra has had right. over him. Right. And then it's a very intense scene sitting by a fire. And, you know, again, it's, it's, it's still kind of a, a one and done, like, right. That's not exactly how <laughs> we unpack our emotional trauma, but at least right. it gave you a sense of like, he clearly went through a lot of hard work there in Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be curious to see if we're going to get some of that possibly, right. Cause it's very evident that Yolanda is going to be Yelena, sorry, is going to be back in Hawkeye, which by the way, that right. trailer was amazing. I thought, yes. um, <laughs> so will we get to see some of, of that maybe for her, but who knows, because she's already been swept up by, or she's about to be swept up by this, uh, I can't Val, I believe is the character's name played by, you know, Julia Louis Dreyfus, um, who will always, right, she'll yeah. always be Elaine to me. Cause I love Seinfeld. Um, but <laughs> it, it seems pretty clear, even with her introduction in Falcon and winter soldier, she's, she's just, she exists though in that same system. Right. In that oppressive patriarchal system, it almost seems like. Right. Um, she's just going to. Yes, she's a woman, but she probably was molded by those systems. And now she's going to try to. So it'll be interesting to see how that interaction happens with Yelena and her and also with her and Clint. Um, not to mention Kate Bishop, played by the wonderful Haley Steinfeld. Um, oh. So. Oh, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm about to talk about some anime, but I have a point, I swear. Do it up. <laughs> we're, uh, yeah, we're talking about, you know, these systems and, you know, trading one system for another. Um, so there is this anime from 1997 called Revolutionary Girl Utena. And uh, in, in Revolutionary Girl Utena, you have princesses and princes and uh, princesses... Uh, hold the swords and, and give them to the prince. And then the prince uses the sword to fight for the princess. You know, it's very cut and dry like that. They have this very, you know, uh, very clear divide between the princes and the princesses. And, um, uh, Utena, our main character decides I'm going to be a prince, you know, and she, and she takes up, you know, her sword and, you know, she's like, I'm the revolutionary girl. I'm, I'm going to be a prince. This is great. And you know, what she comes to discover is that while it's initially very freeing to take yourself out of one box and, and uh, you know, yeah, to take yourself just out of the box that you were assigned to and putting yourself in another can feel very freeing at first. You really just have traded one cage for another because she finds out that being a prince is just as restricting just in different ways. And then the true revolution at the very end is what if there were no boxes? What Mm -hmm. if we could just embrace the full spectrum of existence, the full spectrum of what it means to be alive, you know, no more princes and princesses, no more defining ourselves by this binary. That is the true revolution. And I can't believe that that movie came out 20 years ago because we're still, we're still working through that. We still have characters where it's like the girl picked up a sword. That means she's empowered now. Does it though? Yeah. Like, does it? And so, you know, when we're, yeah, when we're talking about these systems where, yeah, Elena, Yelena has, you know, been swept up like Natasha, you know, before her, she's been swept up by, quote unquote, the good guys or somebody wearing, you know, the name tag of a good guy. Are you really free? Are you really empowered now? You know, that's what you got to think about. That's what, you know, we as an audience have to be conscious of and, yeah, I I like that you bring that up because it's something that I've been watching too. Mm, yeah, and you know I, I I love love that um, that way of just putting it so simply of jumping system to symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like I, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to take that in like a little bit of a personal event, but yeah, you know my own experience of different religious traditions, especially in the last couple of years of of mm-hmm. of trying to find my myself in a in a religious tradition that's more authentic to my experience of of, of who I understand God to be and and more also to be part of a tradition that isn't abusive and you know I mean yeah. the Roman Catholic tradition is very abusive in all sorts of ways and I and I'm a guy of all things you know <laughs> um but uh it's 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 interesting to think though like we we bop around these different spaces trying you know trying to find our home in them. And what's so interesting is as, as you were talking, it just it gave me this really warm glow in my heart. Cause it was like the place where I finally found a home was this particular congregation that a friend of mine runs here in Boston that it, it exists as, I mean, it is part of an institutional church, but it's very much its own thing. And the reason I found a home there was because it was finally something somewhat divorced of 
jumping from one system to the next. It was very much, it exists in between the systems, mm. if you will, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it, it's informed by the system, it's funded by a system, and yet its way of being and its way of expression is kind of in between those spaces. Um, and there's such a, and it's like, and it's a community of people, like of lovely people that made me, helped me feel at home. And and, and, and I bring all that up to say, like, that's a, a, another thing I really love about Natasha finding the Avengers and them right. being her family is, you know, they, in a weird way, they especially in Civil War, they, they're kind of well, right before Civil War, they do kind of exist in between systems, right? They're they're not beholden to the U.S. government. They're not beholden to this World Security Council. And, and that's, you know, everybody's bothered by that. So they're trying to be forced back into a system. Um, but Natasha, you know, I think she finally found a freedom in the Avengers because they exist in between those spaces. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're and again, they're informed by them. You know, they they obviously report in a way to those systems. They they are funded in some small ways by those systems, although mainly Tony. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, it, I think she's finally able to really let herself be her own person in that space because it's not, I'm not part of the KGB. I'm not part of the red room. I'm not part of shield anymore. You know, I'm part of something else that exists between them. Um, well, yeah, so. she calls it a family when she's talking to Steve and Endgame. that clip you played where she says, I used to have nothing. And then I got this job and then she corrects herself and she says this family. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'm I'm out of I'm out of thoughts for now, but I, I don't. Well, yeah. If I'm reaching for anime, you know, I'm out too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think you're. Right. It's perfectly relevant. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and I think you know this. I think something that was really fun about Black Widow is it's the first. It was the first Phase Four movie, um, and really, what does it seem like it's going to be doing for Phase Four? Is it's, it's introduced us to probably who will be the new black widow it's you know it's introduced us to yelena um and i'm so excited we're going to get more florence Pugh. yes (laughs) we are so lucky (laughs) i wonder if it's going to be like what happened to your accent like like with the (laughs) that's true yeah like with scarlet witch where it's like you know she just eventually just drops the accent just i'm tired of it i'm done yeah yeah (laughs) Well, and, and even in that flashback scene where, you know, she's sitting in the truck and communicating with Clint about, you know, uh, Antonia going into the building. She clearly has the accent still there. Um, right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Great. Well, I, I think that was a <laughs> this is a conversation you and I have been having via text message <laughs> a lot in the last couple of months. And I'm glad that we could could get this out just just for, I think people to have another window into this movie. And frankly, Katie, I've, like I said at the start, I've missed having you here. And, um, it's been so great. Like the fact that you and I stay in in touch so regularly now, and it's just like, all right, we, you have such a great insight about everything movie related. Please let's, let's talk black widow. (laughs) Oh my God. You're so sweet. Thank you, Carl. uh, Yeah. I love keeping in touch with you guys too. It's, um, it's, been really nice during everything that's going on in the world you know I, I don't know who needs to hear this but yeah reach out to your friends reach out to someone you haven't said hi to in a while it's it, it's important and it'll do more for you than you think yeah 
Well, and like I, I said to Katie before we started recording, Jason, who was adorable, was like, oh, he's like, that's so great that she's going to be back. I miss her so much. But he's like, I still haven't seen Black Widow, so I can't bring anything to the conversation. <laughs> and he's like, I won't even be able he goes, I won't even be able to listen <laughs> until I see oh, it. No. I know. <laughs> so, uh, but um, but I'm, I, I just imagine Jason trying to listen and being all like anime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who's Alexi? What? <laughs> Um, but no, uh, Katie, it's, uh, it's so nice to have you back here and, and sharing all of your just incredibly keen insights. And it, it, I, I love talking Marvel with you. It's been so delightful. Um, it, it, my, my new love affair with it has, I mean, it's, it's so great. Some, quite a few of my friends here in, in Boston that are also Star Wars fans have been crazy about Marvel from, you know, almost the days of Iron Man. And I just never cared for so long. So I was always divorced of those conversations and it's been so, I, i'm so lucky that you know my I, my friends greg and ben here in, in the city and we, i get to geek out with them all the time but i just love that i get to share this with you because your insight is just so incredible and it just gives me a new way of looking at these movies every time i revisit them so i'm, I'm glad oh, we could you, could give people a window into that yeah absolutely it was great to be here it was great to be back and to talk to you about this stuff it's it's always fun to talk to you <laughs> every time <laughs> Um, well, Katie, thanks so much. And thank you all if, for, for checking out this really interesting special episode of Wampa's Lair where we, like I said, dove into the MCU for the first time. And I know we're obviously a Star Wars podcast and that's what we're always going to primarily be. But I won't lie. There's going to be a good chance in the, the coming years that there's going to be the occasional Marvel <laughs> episode on here. Because frankly, I don't have yeah. the time or the energy to start a whole new podcast just to do uh, occasional <laughs> Marvel stuff. So, you know, if, if, if it's in my hopper, I feel like there's a, there's a big overlap in these fandoms. I think a lot of folks enjoy both of these these worlds. So uh, to any of you, Absolutely. Who, you know, who stuck around and and. and and we're here for this conversation. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed having it. Um, so that said, uh, Katie, before we go, uh, I know you're not as involved as you used to be with your social media, but where, where could folks find your, your always precise and keen insights on, on all things <laughs> pop culture? <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. If uh, anybody wants to come say hi to me on Twitter, I'm at Poe Hot Dameron. That's still me. Uh, I'm not as active on there, as Carl said, as I used to be, but I do still stop by from time to time to make a joke or to scream about Loki. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you can come say hi. And as always, we're on Twitter at Wampas Lair, on Instagram, Instagram, the underscore Wampas Lair. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for checking out this special episode of the Wampus Lair podcast on Black Widow. For Katie and Jason, who's here in spirit, I'm Carl, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. <laughs> <laughs>